Hey everybody, I'm Corrine Levy and this is Scrib Chat, the podcast that connects you to your favorite authors through insightful conversations about their latest and greatest works. Today we're chatting with Emily Wapnick, the creator of Putty Like, an online community that provides networking opportunities and other resources for pursuing multifaceted careers. She's also the author of How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up, which is available on Scribd. Emily, thank you so much for being on Scrib Chat. Oh, thanks Welcome for having to me. program, as they say <laughs> on NPR. <laughs> um, so please tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and maybe what led you to create Putty Like. Sure. So growing up, I had a lot of different interests. And, you know, it, it meant that I had a pretty rich experience. I got to do a lot of different things, had a bunch of random projects. But it also created a lot of stress and anxiety for me because I wondered, like, what am I going to be when I grow up? You know, the idea of just being one thing sounds kind of limiting to me. I feel like I'd get bored. There's like all these different areas I want to explore. You know, I like art and music and and writing and math and that. Like, what am I going to, you know? And that's kind of what led me to start Putty Like because it's a site for people. I call them us multi-potentialites. So people with many interests and creative pursuits. And I started the site because I really wanted to understand myself better. I wanted to know if there were other people out there like this and how other people were dealing with the kind of career issues that come along with having many passions and wanting to do a lot of different things. You know, I wanted to know, are there people out there who are doing many things in their careers and are, are making it work, are successful, are happy? How do they do that? How do they structure their work lives? How do they deal with productivity challenges? You know, when you have like a lot of different things on your plate, there's only so much time in the day. So these were all like issues that I was facing myself and I wanted to kind of learn from other people and share what I was learning. And that's how the, the blog started. That was back in 2010. So I've kind of been at this for a while and I, I've learned a, a bunch of things and I've done a lot, a lot of research and spoken to thousands of people who are also multi-potentialites. And that's a very quick and dirty um, oh, overview <laughs> of my life sure. up until this point. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Your whole life started in 2010. Right. <laughs> um, so, and then the, the website or the blog then led you to write how to be everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, I was looking into different career guides and different like kind of lifestyle books that are that are out there, and there didn't seem to be many that were really geared towards someone who wants to do many things. A lot of these career guides, in particular, the approach that they take is like let like let's take a test and then let's figure out what your strengths and your aptitudes and your passions are and whittle it down to that one perfect fit. And that just like that approach doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for a lot of people I know. And I just felt like there was this need for a different kind of book that's like, yeah, you don't have to choose one thing. You can do many things. Let's talk about how to do that sustainably. So I, I ended up doing a ton of research. I interviewed about 50 multi-potentialites um, who self-described as being both happy and financially comfortable. I sent out a few surveys to my, my list and got a few thousand replies to kind of go through. And I, I put together, you know, I tried to put together like a, a process or, you know, some sure, like a models. Rubric. Yeah, just okay. to help 
people who don't want to just do one thing. Mm-hmm. So the premise of the book is how is for multi-potentialites to learn how to navigate life. Um, I think you call it like not just like a career book, mm-hmm. but like a life, you know, a way of life. Can this book or this way of thinking, do you think, be useful for people who don't identify as multi-potentialites? I'm sure it can be. Like, you know, even specialists probably have um, outside interests and hobbies. And I'm sure some of the techniques for like fitting things into your life, I'm sure I'm sure they can find some value in it. I did specifically write the book for multi-potentialites because I feel like specialists have a lot of resources available to them. Pretty much every other book out there is written for them. Um, So I definitely had the multi-potentialite in mind, but I think that we all have some plurality and, you know, some contradictory passions and identities inside of ourselves, whether we identify as multi-potentialites or not. So yeah, I could see it being helpful. Sure. And so you know, one thing that jumped out at me, you know, toward the beginning of the book was the quote, um, not being the best isn't the same thing as being mediocre, which mm-hmm. I thought was rad, because I feel <laughs> like everybody thinks like, oh, I'm not the best at this. So then I suck. Right, <laughs> so right. I mean, and then another thing that you, you were talking about was, you know, being a jack of all trades and a master of some. Can you tell me a little bit more more about that? And like, how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we put so much pressure on ourselves to like to be the best and to be like at the top of our fields but for one thing it's it's really hard to do there's a lot of competition these days there are a lot of people getting advanced degrees you know trying to be the best isn't necessarily the most healthy uh, approach i think it's more helpful to try and be effective you know to try and do a good job to try and like Whoever your your audience is, if it's a client, if it's your boss, just to, to really deliver, to, to overperform. And you don't need to be like the best in the world to do that. So like it, just because you're not the best, it doesn't mean that you suck at whatever it is. It doesn't mean that <laughs> pursuing it is a waste of time. Um, so that's to your first point. And then I think that there's this like false idea in our culture that you either focus on one thing and you're very good at it and you're successful or you're just like a jack of all trades and you kind of suck at everything. And that's just like <laughs> not what I see when I when I interview people, when I look out at the world, I see people who are genuinely like quite skilled in several areas. I think sure. it's like very possible to to do that, to be that. And yeah, we really get hung up on this idea that it's like all or nothing. Like you just focus and you succeed or you don't focus, you're a generalist and you're like ineffective, you're a dilettante. And it just, it, it's not what I see, you know? And so what, so I'm sure like, you know, in the beginning of your life or when you mm-hmm. were asked, like, what do you want to be when you were up, you were, you thought those same things. And how did you get yourself out of thinking that way? Like, what was your process? Yeah. So, um, I did, I did. I was, I was definitely like pretty filled with anxiety for when I thought about kind of my career future and, and what I was going to do for work and what I was going to be. And it was like in my mid-20s when I was about to graduate from law school and pretty sure I didn't want to become a lawyer at that point, uh, just like not not the life for me. And also my interest had kind of shifted at that at that stage as well. And I was like, I was I was thinking about my journey up until this point and how I've kind of floated from thing to thing, like music, web design, film, law. And I'd always seen it as a bad thing. And I was like, you know, I'm 
kind of sick of feeling bad about this. Like, why is this a negative thing? And are there other people out there who are who are doing many things and making it work? And can I learn from them? And can I like find a way to make this work for me so that I'm not fighting it anymore and I don't have to feel bad about myself all the time? <laughs> um, and so I kind of made this co- conscious choice to like reframe it in my mind as a strength, even before I really could see it. Like now, I totally I can rattle off like five different strengths that multi potential. I, I have a whole chapter on like our superpowers and mm-hmm. you know we do some things really, really well and we definitely were super creative. And um but even back then I think I kind of like needed to reframe it for myself and like give myself an empowering identity, which is where the word multipotentialite came from, and kind of start from there. And then I slowly started to really be like, oh, yeah, actually, this is really awesome. I've had a lot of opportunities. I have a lot of really neat skills that are actually very applicable, and I'm happy with with who I am now. But yeah, it was kind of a, a choice I made in my mid-20s or so. Yeah. So that I mean, that was going to be my question was like, when did you start thinking like, hey, I'm probably not the only one the only mm-hmm. one who feels this way and I should write a book. <laughs> like what, yeah. you know, what was what led to you deciding like, Putty Lake is great. Now I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah. So when I started Putty Lake, I actually wasn't sure if there were other people out there like this, uh, who had, you know, experienced similar things and felt similar a similar way. Um, but very quickly, people started like replying to my blog posts and kind of coming out of the woodwork and being like, whoa, me too. I didn't know there was anyone else like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so I'd been running the, blo- the blog for a few years before, well, I did before I did the TED Talk, uh, which then mm-hmm. led to the book. But I think it was like, I was kind of like, I want this message to get out there in as big a way as possible. Like I want people to know that they're not the only ones and that there are lots of other multi-potentialites. There's nothing wrong with them. In fact, like they can do really amazing work and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought like, what are the, what are the best formats for that? Like what are the best mediums or media for getting the message out there? And I thought like, a TED Talk and a book. And so those are kind of like my (laughs) goals. Like the top ways to get to people. So so that's kind of I was like all right I'm just I'm going to see if I can make that happen and it took a few years but here we are. <laughs> there you go. Um and so you interviewed a ton of people throughout the mm-hmm. book and like each one had their own experience that fit into what you were talking about. So it was awesome to see so many examples. How did you find the people to interview or did you just whittle it down from like the surveys that you got or what was that like? Yeah, um I posted I published a blog post on Potty Like just letting people know that, you know, I'm writing this book and I'm looking for case studies and I would love to hear more about how you make a living. And I'm looking for people who feel both financially comfortable and are also really happy with their lives. And I got a ton of emails from that and sort of picked people that I thought would be a good fit, tried to get um, a range of people working in different fields and kind of went from there. And then as I was writing the book and putting my notes together, I discovered more people and reached out to them. And yeah, Mm -hmm. ended up with about 50. Yeah, right on. So like, one of the things that I thought was really cool was that you also 
you didn't just uh, introduce people who were living, you know, multi-potentially life, but you also offered a ton of examples of jobs. Mm -hmm. And the one that caught my eye was smushing together like poli-sci, anthro, and education to make an organization that teaches children about culture through global cooking classes. So I was like, wow, she's so creative. Like, where did, did these disciplines actually exist? Or did you just like that come off the top of your head? Um, so some of the ideas in the book, like maybe that one, you know, that, could <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> All of them. Um, that, that probably does exist somewhere. Um, but that was definitely like, you know, if those were my interests and I wanted to come up with a business idea that blended them together, like here's a cool idea. Uh, I haven't tested it personally, but you know, um, but then there are also like, I've got an appendix in the back that has a you know, a bunch of interdisciplinary fields, which are like fields that where to work in the area to like do a good job, you need to have an understanding of and skills in other other disciplines. So, you know, things like urban planning, publishing, AI, marketing, mm-hmm. there's a number of them. And, and a lot of those I got from surveying my audience, you know, from surveying thousands of people and being like, do you have a job, like one job that you love? <laughs> right. Like that lets you do a lot of different things. Like tell me about the field. Um, and I saw a lot of them coming up again and again. Um, most of the things in that appendix came up like multiple times when I was surveying people. And I was like, oh, okay, these are clearly like multi-potentialite friendly jobs. Right. Because um, you see a like lot areas. of people doing it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I get into this in the book, but uh, like combining your interests in one work project, be it a business or a job, isn't the only way to go. Like some people do have multiple unrelated jobs. Some people have like the, the what I call, or what author Barbara Sher calls a good enough job and then a bunch of passions and projects on the side. There's like a lot of ways to make it work. And I tried to get that across in the book because like this, this is the challenge for me is I don't, I didn't want to be like, there is one way. <laughs> right. Because that's like the antithesis exactly, of like what you're talking about. Exactly. And sure. it's, it's not true like yeah there are multi-potentialites making a living in so many different ways so I want sure. to try and get that breadth across yeah and so that's like I think the crux of the book was you know the four mm-hmm. plus you know four big work models that you propose mm-hmm. which you know kind of help define the different ways that people might identify because I would imagine that like not having a definition for what it is that you're doing is part of the anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, because like you're a specialist, you're a doctor. And now I know I'm a doctor. Right. But like if you're doing like, you know, the, one of these different models that probably helps ease the anxiety surrounding them because there is a name for it. So could you walk us through a little bit like what are those models and how did you come up with them? Sure. Yeah. So when I was interviewing people, I was trying to figure out like some kind of pattern or some way to, to share this information because I was at first I was like, okay, well, should I just make like a list of like the 10 best jobs for multi-potentialites? But it became very clear, clear very quickly that like that was not going to work because I was meeting multi-potentialites in all different professions, even some seemingly specialist jobs. Like I was like, I interviewed a surgeon in the book, but yet he had like all these incredible projects outside of work. Like he played music and he painted and he studied Buddhist philosophy. And, you know, so I was just like, okay, what are some patterns here? And what I was able to do was kind of break it down into these four work models that I saw coming up again and again. And you can totally be a hybrid between these models. I always, I never like to tell 
multi-potentialized that they need to choose <laughs> one thing, right? So like you can blend these, but just to like have some place to start. So the first commonly used work model I call the group hug approach. And this is like if you if all of your interests or many of your interests were to come together in a big group hug. Um, <laughs> so it's like what we were just talking about, like an interdisciplinary field like urban planning or uh, instructional design where you get to wear many different hats and do a lot of different things in performance of this one job. Um, it can also mean that you start a business where, yeah, you're like combining things, you know, you're doing like yoga teaching for like tech nerds and or you're, you start a cafe that's like a community space and a bike fixing shop or you know you're like combining things in some interesting way that makes something unique and lets you tap into your different passions and skills mm -hmm. yeah so then the second commonly used work model is the slash approach and this is where instead of combining your interests, you've got a few separate and distinct revenue streams. They may be they might be different part-time jobs. They might be businesses that you run. Um, so this is someone who's like the programmer slash teacher slash stand-up comedian, right? So mm -hmm. like a few very different work projects that you kind of flip between over the course of a week. The third commonly used work model is, I call it the Einstein approach. And that's because Albert Einstein worked at the patent office for several years. So he was basically employed by the government. He had this very stable, secure day job that provided him with benefits and took care of all of his financial needs. And then he developed his theories on the side. He wasn't paid for them. So this is where, like I mentioned earlier, Barbara Sher calls this the good enough job. And so you've got a job that maybe it isn't the end all and be all, doesn't let you integrate all of your interests, but you should enjoy it well enough. And it takes care of your financial needs. So it needs to you know, be lucrative. It needs to have a high enough paycheck. And then it also needs to leave you with enough free time and energy to pursue your many passions and projects on the side. So one of the people I interviewed for this chapter was a guy named Charlie Harper, who is uh, an IT director by day. And then in the evening, he leaves the office and he goes to musical theater practice. Uh, <laughs> he also sings in an acapella group and he builds furniture. When we spoke, he had just built a boat. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So he just like, you know, people who, who use this approach and like it, they, they would tell me that what they really like about it is that it takes the pressure off of having to like monetize every little thing that they become interested in. So, you know, it's not for everyone, but for some people, this work, this work model works really nicely. And then we've got the Phoenix approach. And the Phoenix approach is kind of, I called it this because it's like the Phoenix lives this glorious <laughs> life. And then at the end of its life, it like bursts into flames and is reborn from the ashes, right? So this is someone <laughs> who kind of moves through their interests sequentially as opposed to simultaneously. So they maybe dive a little bit deeper into one field for like a longer period of time, like five to 10 years. And then they reach this point where they're like, okay, like I, I got what I came for. I'm ready to try something new, ready for a new adventure. And then they start a new career in a new field and they transition. And, and so often what Phoenix careerists, for lack of a better term, will do <laughs> is they'll start developing that new thing on the side for a while first. They'll start looking for opportunities and developing their skills and make some connections. And um, that just makes the transition a little bit smoother. So yeah, so those are kind of the four different 
ways that I saw multi-potentialites making the work thing work for them and so that they could get the variety that they need. Sure. And did you, when you were doing your research and after interviewing tons of people and getting responses, did you find that people are more likely to gravitate more toward one work model over the other? Or was it just like across the board, people were just doing making it work? I, I noticed that like there were some people who, you know, if you are someone who really likes security and really likes having like a traditional job and like a place to go, then the Einstein approach might be better suited to you. If you have like a lot of artistic projects or you, you know, you're pursuing something that's a little bit more challenging, like, I mean, like things in the arts take a little bit longer to get off the ground, then maybe the slash approach is a good way to go because um, you can balance out those, you can use some some lucrative skills to pair up against the ones that sure. aren't paying as much, you know, but in terms of like, a lot of people wanted kind of the group hug thing, they wanted to blend everything together. But, um, and I sort of thought that I would meet a lot of people who were like moving in that direction. I met plenty of multi-potentialites who were like really happy with their slash careers, like not blending things, people who were really happy doing the Einstein thing. So yeah, I don't, and, and it was also interesting, like there were some people who had been doing the Einstein approach and were like, yeah, I want more freedom. So they kind of quit their good enough job and now had a slash career. And then I was meeting people who had been doing the slash career, but felt like they wanted more security and more stability. So they'd move to the Einstein approach. And then people who would like after years had found a group hug that let them lets them combine their interests. And Gotcha. So everybody's yeah. like bouncing around. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So I have to admit that, you know, before I read the book, and I saw the concept of the book, I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I have a journalism background. I'm like, I'm definitely a specialist. I don't even identify as a multi-potentialite. And then by the end, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely a group hug, like yeah. slash Einstein, because <laughs> I'm also in an acapella group at night. Cool. And so it's like, and I work in a startup. Um, and yeah. But then my wife, on the other hand, has jumped around in careers. Like she was a hairstyle, a hairstylist, and then she was a photography assistant, and now she's like in marketing. And so I think the concept of the book really spoke to her right off the bat. But hmm. so here's what's interesting is that she's seven years younger than me. And I was wondering, do you think that this these concepts kind of span generations. And do you think that um, are like millennials more apt to be multi-potentialites than me being an older, you know, I'm not that old, but like, I'm, you know, definitely yeah. not a millennial. Do you think that it's a, a cross-generational kind of thing? I think it's a cross-generational thing. Yeah. I mean, I was assuming when I started the site, I was kind of picturing like, like my, you know, like my ideal audience member, the way they tell you to do to, to do that. And right. I was imagining someone in their mid-20s, like maybe just starting their career. But I quickly started hearing from people like in their 50s and 60s and, you know, in in high school. And like I've I've just I've heard from people of all ages. And I'm just like really convinced at this point that it's not a generational thing. That like there are multi-potentialites of all ages. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just the millennials who know how to like bounce around. Right. I think everything. that like maybe it's something that we're doing more because of the way the economy has gone. The fact that like there are fewer full-time like for life jobs that exist these days. So it's also a bit of a necessity to be able to be adaptable and to have a bunch of different skills. But the desire to do many things and that kind of broad curiosity, I don't think is specific to millennials at all. 
Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> There's hope for us all. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from this book? And like what which parts of it resonate most with people that from you know, that you've heard from? Yeah, I've gotten really nice feedback. I think that the the work stuff and the work models people find very helpful. Like there's a lot of exercises in the book. I wanted to make it super practical. But you know, the the biggest comment I get is just from people being like, Oh my God, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a multi potential. Yeah. So I think that that is kind of the biggest shift for people is just realizing like oh, there are other people out there like this and it's okay to have many passions. Yeah, for sure. Um, You mentioned the, you know, in the group huggy job section, you know, which is basically the definition of a startup where everybody has to do a thousand things. Like Ashley and I happen to be in the marketing department and we're also recording this podcast. (laughs) So, you know, you, you mentioned the economy and that that's just kind of where jobs are going now. And Later in the slash jobs chapter, you talked about a friend who mentions that like everybody in Los Angeles has a, a slash, you know, job. And I was wondering, why do you think this shift is happening? And do you think that like different types of career models vary by industry or by location? Or is mm-hmm. there like a correlation there? Yeah, interesting. So I think that part of the reason the shift is happening is just because of the speed of technology and how quickly everything is changing. I mean, you know, all these industries are just get, becoming completely outdated and new things are being invented and um, just like not really knowing where things are going. And the, the way to kind of insulate yourself from that is to have a bunch of different skill sets and just to be able to be adaptable like that. That's what makes you resilient in this kind of quickly changing economy and uh, job market. In terms of, I'm sure there's a difference based on fields. Um, I, I haven't looked into this enough. I would guess that like you see more of it in tech and in the arts, you see people kind of doing the slash thing and having a lot of different things on the go. But I don't know. I mean, I interviewed a lot of people who had more kind of or I interviewed some people who had more traditional, like, you know, teachers who also, like, did some programming and, like, played in a band and, like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So there's something for yeah. everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, you know, as you mentioned, the Einstein job model, you know, just basically, like, is just somebody who has a job that is, like, good enough, as you mentioned, and then mm-hmm. has a bunch of hobbies outside of work that are fulfilling, right. right? And so that seems like that's kind of a fairly common thing, even for mm-hmm. specialists. Like, you mentioned the doctor who, you know, plays in a band. Does that mean that everybody is a multi-potentialite and they just don't know it? <laughs> or, so, yeah. or, or are there like specialists who really exist who literally don't do anything outside of her specialty? Right. That's a good question. Um, and I don't know that I really know the answer to this. I keep going back and forth on it. It's like, on the one hand, are we all multi-potentialites and like the school system and culture has just encouraged us all to specialize and some people can do that better than others? Or are there people who genuinely don't have like a very broad range of things that they want to explore and are really happy kind of like in their field or maybe have a few different interests, but it's like far less than other people. And I'm not sure, like, I think there's some truth to both of those things. I definitely like I hear from people who watch my TED talk and like some people, a lot of people have the reaction like, oh my God, this is me. But then there are people who react and are like, like, this is a thing? Like, <laughs> I, like I never really thought about it. I've always just kind of, like, known what I wanted to do when I've been happy and, like, you know, and that's great. Uh-huh, and I don't do anything else outside of that thing. Oh, to be that, like, focused. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that maybe it's, like, 
that group is smaller than we think. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. So, and I know you cover this in the book, but, you know, if I were trying to implement the Phoenix work model, that's not for me necessarily. But if I, if I were, you know, to trying to do that, I think that my parents would freak out. And (laughs) unless I was like, I'm quitting marketing to go be a doctor, like anything (laughs) less than that, my parents would kind of freak out about it and be like, why can't you just stick to one thing? And, you know, how do you kind of like lower people's, not expectations, but just Mm -hmm. like tell them that it's okay and they can chill out like you've got this covered? Like what are some tricks? Yeah. Um, So I've got a whole section on this in the book. Uh, There are a few strategies you can use. So the first is to like kind of come out about your multi-potentiality, like come out about being a multi-potentialite and try and explain to people what that means and like maybe provide examples of other really successful multi-potentialites and show how they pursued a lot of different I mean there's like a nice long list I think I've actually got oh yeah it's another appendix appendix too yeah you know Steve Jobs and Oprah Winfrey and um, Elon Musk and like I don't know Patty Smith like like even Maya Angelou I know yeah Maya Angelou (laughs) you know there are a lot of people who have worked in multiple mediums and have done a lot of things across all kinds of different domains so just like trying to explain what what being a multi-potentialite is all about and that it's like it's part when, when you change course that isn't like you're completely shifting identities or something like it's all a part of being this curious person, this curious multifaceted person, um, you know, but parents, parents are going <laughs> to worry like, you know, it, it's, you know, they love you and they want to see the best. They want the best for you. And a lot of people just grew up with this idea that specialization equals success. Like the way to be successful, the way to make money is to just hyper specialize. But that's becoming less and less true these days. It's like, it's very possible to specialize yourself out of a job, um, you know, depending on what you chose to specialize in. Uh, And it's actually, like we discussed earlier, becoming more safe to be adaptable, to be able to do a lot of different things. So, you know, but Sometimes you just need to like convince people by showing them and just doing the thing and showing them that you're okay, that you can support yourself, that you're happy. And this was what I found when I was interviewing people. I made sure to ask pretty much everyone like if they had their family support, if their parents knew what they were up to when they were younger. And most of the people who said that like they did not have their parents support, like they did not get it at all. There was all this pressure to specialize. Most of them said that their family really came around when they started to see that they were making it work um, and that they were happy. And like, even if they, their parents didn't always totally get what they do for work, they were like, okay, like they, they kind of calmed down and like, it was okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, what I thought was interesting, I don't really have a question surrounding this, but this is like a comment <laughs> on the book is that, you know, when you start in the beginning of the book, you describe some of the feelings that um, you had and that maybe other multi-potentialites might feel because they're not focused on one career path. Like they might feel lazy or inadequate or they just like can't focus on on one thing. But then at the same time, like I remember when I was, you know, graduating from high school and the only way to get into college was if you had like a ton of extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. and you volunteered and you did all this stuff. So like, Basically, in in high school and in college, you're like encouraged to be a multi-potentialite and then like you graduate and then you're like, "Uh oh, now I got to go focus on this one thing. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's like carrying the stuff that we learn as kids, like Mm -hmm. you're in soccer and you play piano and you go to school and like you do all this stuff to like carry that into 
your adulthood. Yeah. I mean, that's like the main thing that I that I got out of the book, which yeah. I thought was really cool, was that like, we're taught to do this, you know, forever. And then all of a sudden, you get to mm-hmm. a point when you're an adult. And now you're like, not criticized for it, but like, questioned. About yeah, it. you're like, like, why are you doing that? That's a silly hobby. Like, right. you're, it's like you I know. did it for 20 years. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I've found that, like, my my late 20s and my 30s, like, I'm starting to do more. I'm starting to live more like I did when I was a kid in a sense where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to like take a science class for fun or like I'm going to join this uh, uh, kickball team like because it sounds like I'm going to like join the community choir and like I'm going to just like have more activities in my life. I'm going to take a screenwriting class like and yeah, there was definitely a period of time kind of in the middle there where I was like, got to got to focus, got to find my one thing, my niche. But now it's like way more fun getting back to that place where you just get to do a lot of cool, different things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, when you came up with the word, you know, multipotentialite, mm-hmm. did you ever consider other words besides that word? Like, how did you get to the multipotentialite? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there are actually other words that people will use to kind of connote the same idea. Um, words like renaissance person, polymath scanner, multi-passionate. And I kind of used some of these words for a while, but none of them really resonated with me personally. And when I came up with multi-potentialite, I I read about this term multi-potentiality, which is a term in psychology that refers to people who kind of display aptitudes across multiple disciplines. Um, And I really like that idea of potential, like, because I just felt for so long, like, there are so many things that I can be and do. And it's like, I have all these different potentials, but like, I don't really, which one should I pursue? I don't want to give the others up. So I think early in the early days of running Putty Like, I published this like free manifesto guide thing, this PDF. And I talked about that research and the word multipotentiality. And uh, another blogger reviewed it. And on his blog, he referred to us as multipotentialites. And I was like, I really like that. Can I, can I run with that? And he was like, sure, go for it. So, yeah. And sometimes we shorten it on Potty Lake and we say multipod. (laughs) That's just something that one (laughs) of... That's like if you're in the know. (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) it's one of the other, one of the community members at Potty Lake came up with that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense on a blog, especially because multipotentialite is kind of like a handful to type out. Right, right. I like some, my, uh, when someone on my team has like a, a shortening tool on his computer. So like he types like star mp or something and it, oh it God, types it. out multi-potentialite <laughs> um but i always i always type it out because i i don't i never want to like accidentally misspell it so it's like good practice for me to and i, and I type it so fast now it's just like <laughs> got it it's like, right it's like your second right it's yeah. like your name um so what um advice would you give to somebody who's either just starting out their career or somebody who is like maybe mid-career and is looking for a change or you know or just like maybe a little a little antsy. Yeah. I would say to think about, so in the book, I talk about these three kind of like essential elements for multipotentialites to be happy. Um, and they, they're things that I saw in everyone that I interviewed. And so they're adequate levels of money, meaning, and variety. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's, you know, for everyone, there's going to be more things that you need in your life to be happy. But uh, those are some common things that I saw. And so just thinking about like where you are in terms of those three different elements, like do you have enough money to meet your financial goals? Um, how are you doing there? Like, do you, are you doing work that feels meaningful or are you just doing like a bunch of odd jobs or, you know, maybe you've got one job that just like feels draining and you don't, there's no like deep purpose behind it like do you have enough not let everything you need everything you do needs to be deeply meaningful but just like overall like a sense that you're doing good in the world you're making a difference and then variety like where do you fall on that spectrum do you are you feeling bored like you could use more projects and more diversity in your life or do you feel like overwhelmed because you have too many projects and kind of just just figuring out where you're at with those three different elements and then kind of going from there and maybe thinking about the different work models and what might be a good fit for you and doing a bit of brainstorming. Awesome. Cool. And so what's next for you? (laughs) So right now I'm really focusing on the Putty Tribe, which is our, like, it's our membership site for multi-potentialites who want a little bit more support, want um, some accountability. And it's just, it's like this great community of, you know, 500 multi-potentialists from around the world. And we do workshops and um, group brainstorms and lots of fun events and stuff. Um, so I'm really focusing on the Putty Tribe, um, making it as helpful as possible for people and, and growing the community. I'm kind of taking a break from like big, huge things like TED Talks and book writing right now, because it's been like a crazy few years. And I could really use a bit of a break. <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, I bet. Yeah. Um, so I'm. I'm actually. I've got a new project that's not related to work, but I'm. I'm developing a television pilot, and so I've been doing some screenwriting and having a lot of fun with that. And I'm not sure where it's going to go. It might lead somewhere. It might just be a fun project for me. We'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, and I've just got like a few little projects like that. Like I've been hiking more and getting like. My wife and I just moved to an island last year, so we're kind of living the rural life a bit. And I'm like learning to chop wood and like just getting outside more. Yeah, (laughs) that's very cool. Good. All right. Well, I think that does it for me. Thank you so so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Take care. You too. That's it for this episode of Scrib Chat. Thanks again to Emily for joining us. And don't forget, you can read How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up, for free on Scribd. And if you're not yet a Scribd member, you can read for free for 30 days by downloading the Scribd app or visiting Scribd.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-D.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.